Hello, I'm Simon. And I'm Dan. And this is a special episode of the Wikicast, the podcast about random Wikipedia articles. Today, we are joined by a guest. Hi, I am Annie Rowarda. I think I'm best known for running the Instagram and Twitter accounts, Depths of Wikipedia, where I unearth my favorite odd Wikipedia articles and post them to the masses. And speaking of odd Wikipedia articles, Annie, what are we talking about this week? <laughs> we are talking about uh, the absolute icon that is Erwin Cruz. Incredible. <laughs> I mean, you briefed us on what this article was before we started recording, and you know, truly, you have blown us out of the water <laughs> with, with, with how good your choice of articles is. Mm. Um, this is amazing. Who was Erwin Cruz? Well, in short, he was a West German tourist who worked in a brewery, and he had this big plan to come to San Francisco. He wanted to see the city. Um, it was the 70s, so maybe he had just heard of the Summer of Love or something. I don't know what it was, but he came um, across the Atlantic Ocean, and his plane stopped in Bangor, Maine, a very small town in the northeast of the United States. And um, his flight attendant said something to the effect of like, oh, I'll see you later because she was switching her shift. He assumed, speaking no English, that he had arrived in San Francisco, got off the plane, tried to get a taxi, goes around Bangor, Maine, and is shocked to find no Golden Gate Bridge. He's barely <laughs> even finding good Chinese food. And he, he knew going in that San Francisco had Chinatown. So he's like, this is just so different from what I expected. Um <laughs> Eventually, a very kind-hearted couple was able to speak German to him and say that he was indeed in Maine, not San Francisco. Um, but he became an icon. Um, we can talk a little bit more. I don't know off the top of my head every single thing that happened to him. But he became this first local celebrity, then national celebrity. Um, people were so touched by his mistake um, that he was, let's see, a guest of honor at an Oktoberfest event sponsored by the Chamber of Commerce. Commerce, excuse me. He was an honorary <laughs> member of the local Native American tribe and Old, Old Town. I can't talk. Old Town Rotary Club received keys to the city. Um, he met Andre the Seal, a fellow local celebrity. He flew to the state capitol. He met the governor and the secretary of state at his own request. <laughs> his big, his big request in the United States. Guess what he did? He's in the U.S. What's the what's the big United States thing he wants to do? What do you think? Okay, you're German. You're in the 1970s. What mm. do you think is big about? Uh, uh, something to do with fast food? Yes. Yup. Amazing. <laughs> He, he visited McDonald's and they let him flip a hamburger. Incredible. <laughs> he knew what he was about. I love this. Yeah, he had his 50th birthday and they had a gala in the, McD in the local McDonald's. Incredible. Oh, what a lovely guy. Like, he, just, he was just happy to be there. Yeah, he got three marriage invitations and in northern Maine, a couple gave him an acre of land, which he may or may not still have today. Apparently, he was paying taxes on it for years. Wow. Uh, I, I regret to inform you that he did, in fact, die in, in 2010, according to the top of this article. So okay. I, I, I doubt the oh. land is still his. A moment of silence, I think, for Owen. I, I think we found our spirit animal, Dan. This is fun. Yeah, I mean, if, if the Wikicast podcast was ever to have a sort of mascot, we found him. He's just bumbling along, <laughs> stumbled onto a great thing and was like, great, I guess I live here now. It's a little bit Forrest Gump. Well, we haven't even gotten to his trip to San Francisco. He, he gets... Oh, so he made it to San Francisco in the end. <laughs> right. Well, at this point, he's a celebrity. And so San Francisco needs some good PR and World Airways offers him a free flight. Um, and then he goes to San Francisco. He gets to... Um, Okay, so he was re reported in Time Magazine, the Associated Press, the Today Show, um, CBS Evening News, two nights in a row. I don't know oh what goodness. was going on. Um, it was a but, slow news week. Yeah, I guess 1977, just nothing was happening. Um, he got keys to the city of San Francisco. He went to a Grand National Rodeo. He got a, presented with a white cowboy hat. The president of a brewing company presented him with a case of beer and um, the the owner of the brewing company, um, Frederick Westinger, had said, oh, my great-grandfather who tra who founded this brewery had to, did the same thing, traveled from Germany to San Francisco, but ended up in Oregon instead. Wow. 
But that's not even on the... I, how does that even work? Oregon's not even on the way from Germany to San Francisco. Surely. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Especially in the 1850s. Like, are you just taking, <laughs> yeah. are you taking a boat? Yeah, I guess so. The boat Did the boat just end up in the wrong spot? If I were driving a boat, I would probably go to the wrong place. I don't know how they navigate. Yeah, but I mean, if you're going from Germany to America, you're going across the Atlantic, ending up in the wrong ocean basin. I mean, is... there's a, there's a, there's sort of, a scenic route and there's a scenic route. You know, like... <laughs> It's unreal. No, no, no. So, like, San Francisco and Oregon are probably a few hundred miles apart. So San Francisco is right on the coast of the Pacific. And then if you go a couple hundred miles north... If you're coming from Germany, you're going to come across the Atlantic. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I mean. <laughs> like, it's just the wrong ocean. Yeah, I guess I don't know. <laughs> but this is, so how, how, did you, how did you find out about this article? Yeah. Because like, you obviously know this quite well. I was... It was a year ago. I'll get, I'll set the scene. It was a year ago in the spring. I was in the airport. It was maybe 6 a.m. I was going to um, Georgia for a conference. And I was with my boyfriend, and it was the crack of dawn. And we were in a really bad mood because we had just paid a really expensive cab to get to the airport. And I was on my phone, and somebody messaged me, Annie, you need to read this article. And I had low expectations, but I opened it up. And I started laughing out loud and then tears were coming down my cheeks <laughs> and um, my boyfriend was laughing and it really saved the day. <laughs> so, so I mean, this and this is the classic kind of thing that you post on. Actually, sorry, perhaps the few people who listen to this podcast, you might not know what Depths of Wikipedia is. So, so what is Depths of Wikipedia? Hmm. I just post things on Wikipedia that I think are charming or funny or interesting um, some examples of things that I've posted recently. Um, there's a photo from the cow tipping article that's captioned, a cow lying on her side is not immobilized. She can rise whenever she chooses. Mm -hmm. I thought that was kind of really capturing the quarantine mindset. And so I posted that one. Um, I've posted that one a few times. I just really like it. Um, the laser kiwi flag you might've heard of. It's this, Yeah, yeah. it was a submitted flag that looks like it's made in Microsoft paint. Like it's, it's very like a graphic design is my passion vibe. Yeah. Oh yeah. You've also posted boops boops, which was actually the article we had picked by our previous guests, um, which is kind of an interesting bit of continuity. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. But I mean, are most of these things that people have have sent you are these things that you have spontaneously found, like you know, on your own? It's a good mix. At this point, I have a lot of people that will send me articles, which is really fun. I have, I always have a very fun inbox, mm. but a good portion are still things that I stumble upon myself. Mm. So, I mean, is, is it just something that you let yourself fall down these rabbit holes and just see where they take you and eventually you'll stumble upon a bit like of gold that you save? Um, well, I edit Wikipedia quite a bit. And so I think my rabbit holes look differently. They look different when I'm editing versus just reading, Right. which I can't just read anymore because now if I'm reading Wikipedia, like you, you can't get out of the mindset of like, oh, this fact isn't cited or like, oh, this is kind of poorly phrased. Then you start mm. editing and then you're sucked even deeper into the void. Mm. Um, so I think I do spend quite a bit of time on Wikipedia, but also, um, yeah, there's there's a bunch of launch pads too. like the list of unusual articles just has hundreds yeah. of great ones. Mm. And this was um, a lockdown project. Is that correct? Yeah, it was. Well, I was a um, sophomore in college at the University of Michigan and I just started it in my room and I didn't think it would get so big. But now it's got like 850,000 Instagram followers and 420 something on Twitter. Um, so it's pretty crazy. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I want to ask why, but I feel like it's it's a question that like there isn't really a why to this. It's just <laughs> it's just stuff you find interesting. Yeah, your guess is as good as mine. Um, By the way... I, I watched a bunch of your videos um, around the same time of lockdown that I was um, making this. <laughs> and I was just looking at your YouTube channel earlier today to see like, oh, which ones have I watched? And I remember you had a video about 10 books to read if you want to study physics. Yeah. I read a bunch of them. I had like a physics book phase. I loved it. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're um, a neuroscience. Is that right? Yeah. In undergrad. That and and that's my one degree. Like I'm, I I feel I feel like I can't really call myself a neuroscientist because, um, I haven't done very much research. Right, <laughs> but I nearly tempted you over to the side of physics. <laughs> 
maybe. Yeah, that, 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 that's my request. More physics, uh, more physics content or, or climate content on a, on the depths of Wikipedia page. But then again, <laughs> I suppose it's difficult to do climate content on anything like this because the whole thing is meant to be. It's an it's a distraction. You, you conceived of this as a distraction from the world in 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 lockdown, and you you know you want it to be escapist and not be reminded of just how you know dreadful parts of the world like climate change are i guess yeah one thing that's loosely climate related is on wikipedia i mean excuse me physics related on wikipedia is the buttered cat paradox oh yeah yeah maybe you know this one but the idea that buttered toast always lands butter side down cats always land feet side up what would happen if you taped buttered toast to the back of a cat? You solve the world's energy problems. <laughs> yeah, of course, cats have a writing reflex, so it's there's really no big surprise, but it's kind of charming. There's a whole article about it. Mm. And the other thing, which sorry, Dan, I've completely hogged this conversation. I'm no, just genuinely not curious. At all. Fascinating. Because the other thing which I've from looking at your stories and stuff like that is you've been doing live shows, like Wikipedia live shows. Like how? What are they like? What? How? What, how, what do you do in them? That's a good question. Um, I first was contacted about doing a live, like a set in someone else's show, um, in 2021, and I was I was stumped. I was like, why are you talking to me? All I do is post um my life (laughs) but um eventually i was like okay i'm gonna create this narrative and then i'm gonna try to match funny wikipedia snippets and just have those going in the background so it's kind of like the idea is funny man serious man so i'm kind of talking like telling a story and then in the background there's like wikipedia articles that kind of color the story Mm. That's how it started to go. But then when I had to do a whole show by myself, I was like, well, I need to switch it up, have some different acts going on. And so I've done a few different things. Like sometimes I'll play like, I don't want to give too much away, but I'll play like improv related games with people in the audience or will, if there's a lot of photos on Wikipedia that um, need to be taken, there's a lot of photos that aren't on Wikipedia, excuse me. That should be. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I've had, I've like, you know, taken photos for the commons in front of the audience and sometimes it's funny trivia. So it's a little bit of everything. It's fun. That's brilliant. Yeah. Thanks. I, yeah. Like I, I have to admit, I didn't know. It doesn't surprise me, but I didn't know that you were actually such an active Wikipedian. Is that, is that the right term? Like, you know, somebody mm-hmm. who edits and adds to Wikipedia. Um, but of course mm. it makes perfect sense because you like us i think you know you get that this is actually like a miraculous resource and the mm. reason to do posting like this is to shine a light on how, how absolutely miraculous it is that we have a completely free encyclopedia that's the most comprehensive in history and it's really easy to take for granted but wikipedia editors have been declining in number for um close to a decade and mm. the editor base is very skewed in a lot of ways that don't represent society. It's very male. It's very mm. like millennial Gen X. And um, there's some programs like Wiki Women in Red that are recruiting more female editors. There are programs like um, Wiki Love- Loves Africa and Afro Crowd that try to get more um, representation of like just non Europe American topics because it started in English speaking countries and still there are are a lot of people that argue that the non-English Wikipedias just aren't as um, robust. So if you're listening to this, like, and you see something on Wikipedia that's not quite right, definitely get your feet wet. It's sometimes intimidating. There's a lot of rules. Um, yeah, yeah. So don't just hop in and, like, create an, an entire article about your grandpa. Like, it'll get deleted, and then you, you might feel bad. But you shouldn't because it's normal um, to have things get deleted when you're a beginner. Um but definitely start small and like, yeah, I think it's like one of the most fulfilling and meaningful hobbies. That was my elevator pitch. <laughs> no, no, that was going to be my next question was like, you know, <laughs> how can we get into this? Because you're right. It's, it is something that we take for granted. And I've edited, I've done very, very minimal edits of stuff on Wikipedia. Um, the one I, I remember the during the Libyan civil war, I did like a little bit of edit because there was like a news thing that had happened and it was all over Twitter and it wasn't on Wikipedia, but it was like the announcing of a ceasefire. And like I put that into the article, came back like a couple of hours later, and it had been edited, but the core of what I'd written was still there. Mm. And it was, it's an amazing feeling that like, you know, you've put a layer on top of 
the stratigraphy of human knowledge. Like it's a tiny yes. layer, but it has actually made a difference. Yeah, well, and it it fills me with so much pride to look at the articles that I've heavily written and to see that other people have come in and improved them so much. Like something about that teamwork and mm. also when you look at talk pages and like people respond to your comments, it feels so much more civil and democratic than like Twitter or like social media. <laughs> Everything does. That's that's why it's that there is a, a flaw <laughs> to human interaction and I'm pretty sure it's Twitter.com. <laughs> yeah, well, it's great to see people that come together on this website and the one thing that they have in common is that they want to work on this project that expands human knowledge and I'm still fairly idealistic there are some editors that have been in the game for 20 years and are a little bit more burnt out and pessimistic than I am Mm. but I still sometimes look around and I'm like okay in the world there are some things that are really great you know air you breathe it all the time no one hates air like wikipedia like it's the best even if you complain about bias on certain articles which there are people that do like there, there are some articles that I'm sure even the biggest Wikipedia hater might turn to. So I think it's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, can, can you say any articles that you've written or would you rather they actually stay anonymous? Yeah, so I am pretty open on the internet about everything, except I don't like to tell people my Wikipedia username. Yeah. I just like to keep it private. But mm. I edit quite a few things that relate to um, where I'm from in the Midwest. And um, I also write a bit about internet phenomena, like trends and social media and things that are really not earth shattering but fairly interesting to me but dan you i mean have you edited wikipedia well sort of i mean i i guess i sort of have done not not nearly as important good sort of wholesome wikipedia editing i, I, I sometimes go in and maybe sort of correct grammar and and just sort of tighten up sort of bolts and things here and there in in in, in sections and that's probably the, the sort of english undergraduate and classicists sort of inside me, you know, I have to sort of go in and be like, oh gosh, that's, you know, that's really stressing me out actually. There's a semicolon there and it's not, it's, it's being used inappropriately. You know? um, so I'll go in and do bits of that. And then I think certainly we can, Simon, you'll probably remember there was a bit of a, a phase when this podcast started and, and actually sort of, um, Annie, when you were talking about the sort of reasoning behind setting up depths of Wikipedia or, or thinking that was something that you wanted to do, I suppose it sort of ties in to what Simon and I were thinking when we were thinking about doing this podcast in that we both we both sort of like knowing stuff and the more inane the better mm. um and you know tying tying into this amazing resource and trying to sort of get away from the really unfair sort of I don't know um label wikipedia was given certainly at school you know you were always told that it's basically you know like don't never cite your sources from wikipedia don't use wikipedia it's a it's a terrible thing and you know it and it, it really isn't um but there was a there was a phase in early episodes where listeners or other readers to the podcast would go into wikipedia articles and make an edit saying that it was discussed on the wikicast podcast um oh, yeah. <laughs> do you remember with so like we had one of the episodes i forget which number but it was chair sculpture which you actually yeah. went to see, Simon, which is incredible. Yeah, amazing. I visited and, and took a video about it. But we would we were sort of scrolling through one day, and I think somebody had sent us an email saying, "You do realise that somebody's edited the page and said, you know, like in as a footnote, this was discussed on the Wikicast podcast with Simon and Dan." And there have been a couple of times. There was um, one of our very early episodes was a, an academic at uh, the University of was it Georgia Tech, something like that, oh, like yeah. a bursar, and they uh, one of the students had informed them that they'd been mentioned on the show, and then. I think again, their Wikipedia had been edited, which we are not endorsing. We just no, want to be very clear. We don't want people to vandalize Wikipedia, um, especially not on our account. Yeah. And then somebody, I think, made there is a Wikicast fan wiki that exists, mm. which is completely ridiculous. And it's just, it's chock full of the most sort of niche knowledge of certain sort of events that have happened throughout the podcast's sort of timeline, if you like. Whereas unlike unlike our show, Depths of Wikipedia has its own Wikipedia article mm. in one of the most wheels within wheels things I think I've ever seen because the logo is at, is all over this page. Um, like how how because as as an editor, I know that there have to be very specific requirements on when something merits getting a page. Um, mm-hmm. Like when did when did Depths of Wikipedia get its own Wikipedia page? Um, the page was. First on English Wikipedia, maybe like 
two months ago. It was actually in early April. Um, I had a New York Times article um, about me mm. like a month a month ago. And right after that, that was when um, the Wikipedia article was pretty robust. And it was like, you have to have a certain number of secondary sources. And the exact number yeah. is kind of variable, but you know, a handful. And they have to be from specific places, you know? Like, you can't just, like, write a blog post about yourself and then cite that. Yeah. Like, that's mm. self-published. That doesn't count. It has to be... Um, that Wikipedia has a list of, like, perennial sources. It's actually really interesting to look at because... The way that Wikipedia editors determine sources reliability is it's like they're pretty pedantic about it. Like they'll go through and look at all like recent errors in the past recent time. And um, I think like as just any type of media consumer, it's a really interesting discussion to look at. Um, and it's kind of controversial, like Daily Mail, for example, and Fox News are no longer considered reputable sources, except for in really specific instances. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I am digressing, but anyway, um, you have that's to. That's the certain... name of the game. That's the name of this show. <laughs> yeah, that's literally why this, that's why this podcast exists. It's one big, one big sort of tangent, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, I had a few articles that were considered reliable, and somebody had written the art article, and once it appeared, um, a few dozen other people started tinkering with it. And at this point, I mean, I can quick check how many, um, let me check the stats on it. It's been viewed. What? Okay, I just pressed the wrong button. I thought I was, I thought it had been re- viewed 9 billion times in April, but that's all of Wikipedia. Um, oh, jeez. <laughs> I was going to say, my God. <laughs> I just actually switched over to, there's a new, um, like a new UX change which I'm trying to like get used to it now, um, but some of the buttons have moved and it is much more difficult <laughs> than <laughs> I expected. <laughs> it's, 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 it's something that a lot of, um, I hate this word, but I think the more accurate one is influencers. So people on YouTube and with, with podcasts or who stream or whatever will be extremely well known and have often their own fan Wikipedias, but are not represented on Wikipedia itself. Um, you know, even people like uh, my friend Brian, who runs a channel called Real Engineering, like he is is, a, is an enormously influential um, science YouTuber, and yet he's apparently doesn't meet the criteria for for it. So it is a it's a bit of a, a weird one. Like you know, it, do, do you think the the requirements are too stringent for Wikipedia, or is it important that they are that strict? Okay, you're tapping into like the oldest wikipedia debate it's like coke and pepsi you know democrat republican deletionist <laughs> or inclusionist um deletionists on wikipedia are perhaps portrayed as like curmudgeonly people like get off my lawn like this is not notable um because you can you can imagine that if you start allowing not very notable things on wikipedia um it's a slippery slope and pretty soon you're gonna have people writing articles about like you know, their sweet grandma who just simply is not worthy of a Wikipedia article. And I think, like, on the internet, in some ways, Wikipedia is this de facto arbiter of importance. Because, like you said, mm. when you look at somebody who is really successful on Wikipedia, um, excuse me, on YouTube, you, you check and say, like, oh, do they have a Wikipedia article? Because that would be, like, that would, that would kind of say, like, oh, yes, they are indeed notable. And, mm. of course, you're saying in this instance you're surprised because it's not it's not um what you'd expect so those are a lot of deletionists think that yeah like wikipedia should really be limited to things that are truly important measured by how well they're covered in secondary sources um whereas inclusionists tend to be a little bit more lenient Mm. but in general the thing with like influencers or internet creators um it's it's kind of i mean it's not like it's a brand new thing like there have been youtubers and bloggers and internet creators for decades as long as wikipedia has been around but Mm. i think that the way that they're covered in secondary sources just simply isn't the same as how other public figures like politicians or writers or sports people are covered yeah and we're seeing more coverage like there's there's some places that are covering um internet people more but i think in general like I don't know. It's like really hard for me to say exactly why. And I'm sure people know more about this, more about this than I do. But in general, that's the biggest thing that is 
behind like internet creators being somewhat poorly represented on Wikipedia. It's just because there aren't great like, you know, New York Times, like um, Washington Post sources that will talk about mm. like these internet people. Mm. Wikipedia isn't its own. It, it's it's more a mirror of how society views topics. Exactly. So it's how how other stuff is being reported on that is actually the issue. That's interesting. And that's something that's a little bit tough for new editors. Well, and I should confess, actually, I've never said this publicly. Not that it's that embarrassing. Like, this is very normal. But the first Wikipedia article I wrote, like, start to finish, was about a YouTuber. And I was citing, like, E! News, you know, like, just, like, oh, places my. that are, like, fine if you're just quick checking a fact, but not, like, they don't do robust fact checking. Mm. And it was nominated for speedy deletion, and it was deleted. And I literally cried. I was, like, so <laughs> just, like, embarrassed. And I was, like, I was, like, ugh, like, I, I tried so hard, but I just did not succeed. I was ready to quit. <laughs> of course I didn't. But, yeah, I think that, you know, now that I've been around for a while on Wikipedia, it's, like, I'm realizing that that is so much more common than I realized. Mm. I'm just blabbing at this point. But but yes, I think you're right <laughs> that, you know, internet people are not very well covered on Wikipedia. And I think that part of that is just because they're not very well covered in like major news sources. Yeah. Well, I mean, something that if you were to write a whole section on Wikipedia, Dan, that I think you could make huge contributions to is English choral music. Oh, well, I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> Speeding on, <laughs> speeding on to the next section. What is your choral piece of the week? And this will be my piece of the week. Drum roll, please. You may need to explain what this is all about. Yeah, I thought, well, just a little sort of taster. So um, both Simon and I sang in the University of Exeter Chapel Choir, which is an incredibly uh, prestigious... <laughs> group of people who um sing niche sacred music and really enjoy it um i still sort of do that in various other places now and for some reason we thought a good corner of this podcast this is a podcast with many and varied corners um we would have a choral piece of the week and my choral piece of for this week it's staring me in the face in terms of what is the most obvious but then also it is literally staring me in the face because i have a score mm. next to me I have sort of somewhat foolishly agreed yesterday to sing at a concert next Saturday um, where we are doing the Mozart Requiem. Ah! Uh, now, this is a piece I've never, I've never done before. I can't, I can't believe that, you know, it's an incredibly famous piece of music, um, but I've, I've never done it before. Not only have I never done it before, I've been asked to be the tenor soloist for it. So I've got a week okay. to learn <laughs> the Mozart Requiem. <laughs> I didn't even know it had a tenor solo in, so that shows how much I know about it. <laughs> I only know some of the famous movements. So there's the, all the famous movements and, and chorus stuff, and then uh, it sort of breaks out into um, quartet, um, semi-chorus. Right, okay. And then moments of little sort of outright solos and things. Um, but that's what I'm doing on Saturday, and that's what I'm going to actually be doing, not um, not this coming Saturday, but, but next week. So all of my time tomorrow, or a significant proportion of it, while trying to keep up with the law work that I absolutely need to get done for next week, um, is is trying to learn this thing. Because it's quite a big sing. I was listening to it in the car yesterday and, and suddenly sort of thought, Has this, have I made a mistake? <laughs> Should I have said yes? <laughs> I'm slightly stressed. But yes, my choral piece of the week, the Mozart <laughs> Requiem. I mean, Annie, do you have a musical background at all? I played piano when I was in school and I played flute when I was in school, but... Once I went to university, I I stopped playing. You've never you've never been a singer or been tempted by singing. No, I'm definitely not a singer. Although at my last live show, I did sing a little bit. But people have to. I'm not going to give that away for free. <laughs> <laughs> That's a paid extra. What what yeah. did you sing? Can you say, can you at least say that? Mozart Requiem, okay. presumably. <laughs> Do you know that song? Um, that's called we didn't start the fire and it's like billy joe yeah, da, 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 da. yeah. yes okay and it's just like a bunch song. of random news events yeah, this is stuff from the 80s you remember the 80s yeah that's <laughs> um i made a version of it but it just instead of random news events it's um like the titles of wikipedia articles oh cool and i yeah. sang it and I flipped through the slides. We didn't do the edit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Honestly, it took 
hours, um, but I'm very proud of it. <laughs> yeah, it should be. I mean, it's no, it's it, like, especially if some, if you're not like comfortable with singing normally, it is an intimidating thing to to get up and sort of put yourself on the spot like that. So mm. yeah, big, big respect for that. Yeah, and, and quite quite a hard song as well, especially with this, you know, with those lyrics to then also try and change and rattle them all off. It's amazing. Yeah, you may as well just do like the Element song by Tom Lehrer at that mm. point. <laughs> I just sent you the the lyrics. Oh God, <laughs> it's it's not really beautiful, but I think the audience liked it. It was a kind of a sing along, so that took some of the pressure off of me because I'm just not a great singer. <laughs> Series of tubes is absolutely my favorite in that list. <laughs> Series of tubes. <laughs> the tubes are getting clogged. I don't know up. why, but those those three words next to each other is just sort of funny in its own right. I don't <laughs> I don't quite know why. Do you know where that comes from? I've absolutely no idea. Oh my gosh. Okay, so this is a crazy moment in American history, but um, an Alaskan politician, when he was talking about the internet, he made this oh, he, he made this case to Congress that um, the internet was simply a series of tubes um, <laughs> followed by a bunch of like just absolute garbage that displayed that he had absolutely no idea how the internet worked. Oh my God, I found the quote. It's incredible. Go on, Dan, read it to yeah, us. Yeah, there's a, there's a Wikipedia article titled Series of Tubes. <laughs> it's a series of tubes. And if you don't understand, those tubes can be filled. And if they are filled, when you put your message in, it gets in line and it's going to be delayed by anyone who puts, <laughs> that puts into that tube enormous amounts of material, enormous amounts of material. <laughs> Incredible. Wow. This is like proto-Trumpian. Alaskan Ted Stevens. Alaskan Senator Ted Stevens. Amazing. He's not so, so entirely wrong, but it's also quite clear that he's certainly not an expert about this. And to think that this is the person determining net neutrality is a little mm. chilling. Mm. <laughs> but isn't isn't that interesting that that was like such a an outlier in, what was this, 1990, did you say? Um, 2006. Sorry, 2006. Like, it, it, so that's even more remarkable. In 2006, that was an outlier. And then there was a, a four-year period where the President of the United States said like that on every conceivable topic and was the supreme arbiter of, you know, in theory, like everything. And everyone just kind of got used to that, I guess. Like, in a post-Trump world, that almost sounds less remarkable now because you just think, oh, yeah, that's just what some politicians sound like, I guess, which isn't, you know, terrifying. Again, I'm devolving, but I think that... Um, I mean, I was pretty young um, when I was when Trump was president. I remember when he got elected, I was 16 and I really came of age at a time when he was president. And so I had no really base of what was normal. And so it's kind of weird to look back on like in hindsight. I'm, I don't know. I'm just I'm just still figuring out what the Trump era even was. But I just mm. sent you a great article, um, a somewhat sad article uh, if you are a civil person, but list of nicknames used by Donald Trump on Wikipedia is just disturbingly long. And it has things uh, wow. from like, some are kind of, you know, bad. Like this is somewhat racist to all the nicknames for COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Nancy Pelosi, crazy Nancy, MS 13 lover, Nancy, Nancy Antoinette, nervous Nancy. Oh my goodness. Look at all the ones for poor Joe Biden. Oh yeah. oh yeah, of course he's got the most. Yeah. Some of them are so funny though. Crazy <laughs> crazy Joe Biden. <laughs> you can't say that. Some of these are just a bit lazy, let's be honest. Yeah, like are you kidding me? Why are we the nickname for Justin Trudeau is Justin from Canada. <laughs> 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 like what? These are amazing. Wow. Boris Johnson is quote Britain Trump. Kim Jong Un is Rocket Man. Amazing. To be fair, I feel like there's there could be a whole Wikipedia article of British press nicknames for Boris Johnson, uh, <laughs> which would be equally interesting. Maybe that's the one you should write. <laughs> yeah, I mean the thing, but it's like, an, like I've had ideas for videos of like I would like, for example, to do a video analyzing what um what what climate skeptics are saying in YouTube comments, and I know that I could do it, and I'm probably a very well positioned person to do it but i know that pulling together all those resources will crush my soul <laughs> i think for the same reason going through all the coverage of boris johnson and all the stupid shit that he's done oh. which would just crush me that's like my mom is a pediatrician and so she's been dealing with anti-vaxxers for years because mm. people won't want to vaccinate their kids but she bought this book that everyone is recommending about 
you know, why do anti-vaxxers refuse the vaccine? And she got 20 pages in and she was like, this is the worst. This is the worst part of my day at work. Why am I coming home and reading about this too? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I actually very rarely now read books about climate or climate adjacent stuff. I went through a real phase when I was writing my book that was like reading quite a lot of them. And now I just like it put me off reading. It genuinely there was like a period of about a year <laughs> when I just did not really read anything because I was just I so associated it with being miserable. Oh no. You were Simon you you made that clang really effortless there. Just uh, I would I mean, oh, yeah, it's when I, people know about when me. I was uh, when I was writing my book. So, oh wow. <laughs> It's completely effortless. Amazing. Uh, Fer- Fergus, in the edit, can you just put like a sound of an anvil dropping uh, after, <laughs> after I say that? Um, but what, what got me out of the funk was I read some t- um, Terry Pratchett. I read The Colour of Magic and suddenly it was like the colour went back into reading. And mm. I've been... Re- I tell you what, we'll go into the next corner, Dan. We'll go into Critics Corner and we can talk about what we've been reading recently. All right. So, so my thing recently is um, I have I, uh, there's a more famous one which is the shortest history of Germany, um, but I've been reading the shortest history of the Soviet Union uh, by Sheila Fitzpatrick, which has been a fascinating book. I don't know if have either of you read any of this shortest history series. No, no, I haven't. Because there's quite a few. There's like shortest history of Germany, of England, of democracy things like that and they're like you know 200 and something pages which obviously isn't like a very short introduction but considering how vast the subject matter is it's like a very condensed version Mm. um and it's been really really good it's a really really interesting introduction to this political entity that i thought i knew quite a bit about but it turns out most of my knowledge comes from rocky four and so is not the most accurate in the world um but a hard recommend from me uh, the shortest history of the Soviet Union. Uh, have you been reading anything recently, uh, Annie? Yes, I have. Um, I'm really on brand here, but I read this book that came out in 2009 called The Wikipedia Revolution by Andrew Lee. It's a little bit hard to get your hands on, but I did. Um, I got it from the library and I scanned all of the pages because I would. I didn't want to have to return it to the library, but then I graduated um, so if anyone's really desperate for a passage, just hit me up. <laughs> it's the best book about Wikipedia I've ever read, and it gets into the really early history, which is pretty nuts because it was created right after the dot-com crash, and that's the reason Jimmy Wales, the founder, says that it is a nonprofit. Wikipedia wasn't born out of some idealist mission to bring knowledge to the world, necessarily. Um, it was really just born to be like another company like Google, Yahoo, Facebook, whatever. And then because there was no more money in um, dot-com companies, they pivoted and decided, okay, what if instead of, well, first it was going to be like an encyclopedia where you paid the writers, but it was called Newpedia, but then it pivoted into like, okay, what if we make Wikipedia where everyone can edit? And then it pivoted into like, what if we don't have ads and we have it supported by donors so it gets into that history a lot and i think it's really interesting and then the other thing that i just just started reading is the innovators how a group of hackers geniuses and geeks created the digital revolution and that is by walter isaacson who wrote the steve jobs book uh-huh. so that's really interesting i had no idea about that yeah. about wikipedia that it was almost an accident an accidental side effect of the dot-com bubble was that we got the the greatest encyclopedia in the history of the world yeah i'm regurgitating what i read in this book and also um jimmy wales who founded wikipedia uh along with along with someone else um larry sanger along with larry sanger he did a pretty good interview on how or how i built this with guy Raz. Um, so if you have a free hour, that's a podcast episode that I think back to often. Oh, include a link in the show notes. Wow. Mm. God, what a, this is, Dan, you've, you've got some living up to do here. You, you've really got to suggest some good media here or Annie's just blown you out of the water. Well, I've, I've been, I've been getting back into reading, um, Kazuo Ishiguro. Um, because ah. I, I, I absolutely love his stuff and I'm about, oh gosh, maybe three chapters into The Buried Giant um, mm. having read Clara and the Sun and Remains of the Day and a couple of others, the names of which escaped me. But that, I mean, that's 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 completely amazing. Aside, I got, aside from that, I haven't really been doing any media. I haven't really been watching anything. I've been doing a lot of reading, but it's all been for my my course, you know, which is not the not the most riveting of of stuff to sort of recommend and talk about. But but certainly, I'm trying to find more time to just read for pleasure. 
I've, I found certainly while I was an undergrad and, and now doing this postgrad and masters, um, it's just when you're reading so much, I find it hard to relax by reading another thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just want to sort of just like rest my eyes and, you know, the, the, the primary way I relax now is just, I'll go off and have a nap, which is frankly terrifying <laughs> being 25 and, and suddenly it's sort of, old man. I know it's ridiculous. It's completely <laughs> ridiculous. I'll get, you know, I'll, I'll be, I'll be looking at the, I don't know, we'll be in the pub having a drink or something and I'll be looking at the clock, <laughs> listening to listening to people have what I'm sure, I'm sure are very interesting conversations, but I'll, I'll be having a little quiet little dialogue with myself, basically saying, yeah, it's probably going to take me about 15 minutes to walk home, which means I can actually be in bed by 7.30. And if I'm in bed by 7.30, <laughs> you know, oh, I may, you know, I can, you know it's, it's completely ridiculous. And then I'll suddenly remember that I'm actually meant to be, you know, trying to engage with <laughs> friends. You're doing that, bird, that game grumps, the link thing, where he's like, "Wow, that bird's really far away." Yeah, just like totally <laughs> zone out, <laughs> zone out of the conversation. Exactly. I oh god, I'm terrible for that sometimes. Like for and to be fair, I don't think it's normally quite as old manish as what you've just described. Normally, I'll be thinking about like code or writing a video or something. But sometimes I literally do. Do you ever just catch yourself and you're just like, for for like thirty seconds there, I was just existing. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't really doing anything. Yeah, there was, <laughs> just no, like... there was nobody at home. It's just you know, it's sort of you know, if you if you if, sh- if you shone a torch through my eyes, it would be a completely empty room. You know. Yeah, B- big NPC energy. Yeah. Like if you'd asked me, I would have recycled one of like three voice lines, and then I would have just gone back to my idle animation. <laughs> yeah. Have you heard of the the phrase "thinking about the immortality of the crab"? It's a Spanish proverb, isn't it? Yeah, I just sent you the yeah. link. It has a Wikipedia article and. It's like what you're saying when you're when your mind's wandering, when you're just completely zoned out. If someone says, "What are you thinking about?" You're you're you, the real answer is, "I'm thinking about nothing. There's nothing in my brain." But what you say is, "I'm thinking about the immortality of the crab." Mm. Yep, I'm just thinking about the fact that everything evolves into crabs. <laughs> yes, carnivoration <laughs> on my brain all the time. <laughs> yeah, because the crab cycle has one step, and it is crab. Um, <laughs> Like, I sometimes wonder this, though. It's like, at the end of my life, if you played me like a supercut of all the time on Earth that I spent doing f*** all, <laughs> I was just <laughs> sat there gazing off like a cat, gazing off into the middle distance, thinking about the immortality of the crab. How much, <laughs> what percentage of my life has it been? Oh, man. And, and, then, and then it's like, how much of my life have I spent, like, queuing or waiting for the microwave to go off? Like, it, it's probably, like, hours and hours <laughs> of my life. Yeah. Or doing that thing I find, and and it, this is, I don't know whether this is sort of a sign of things to come, and I'm, I am just starting the slow descent into complete madness. <laughs> um, but I do that thing if, you know, I'll, I might be sort of sitting down on the sofa or, you know, just just maybe I've been reading something, I'd be on, on my phone, and you do that thing where if there's sunlight sort of pouring in through a window and you can see those little sort of, those little specks and, and fibres and things in the air, and I just find myself staring at them. Mm. And a frankly embarrassing amount of time will pass. And then I'll, I'll suddenly sort of catch myself and go like, what, who even are you? What are you doing? Like try and contribute <laughs> some way to, to the natural cycle of sort of like humans on this planet rather than st- staring into like a middle distance, distance with like a soft focus. You know how in Doctor Strange there's like the astral plane. Yeah. It's like you, mm-hmm. your consciousness was just knocked out of your body yeah. and it just didn't do anything. It, it didn't just sort at of all. hung about. Yeah. <laughs> What if there's like an alternate parallel universe where whenever like your other self is just absolutely in a hundred percent grind mode, you are just you're thinking about the immortality of the crab. Yeah. You're just, you're sitting in a chair dribbling. That's, that's what's yeah. going on. <laughs> well, and, and the, the moments when you disassociate is in the other universe when they're like, <gasps> where am <Yeah>. I? <laughs> yeah. They're like running a hundred yard dash or something and you're sitting like a lump. It's like you only have you have a hundred percent consciousness at all times, but it's fifty percent between the two universes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like every now and again, it just dips into one into the other or something. I like that theory. <laughs> yeah, I think you should. I think you should test that one out. Now that I have people with um, advanced degrees, I, I'm going to give you all my terrible ideas. <laughs> <laughs> this is. We said that that should just be like a podcast, right? Where you just get like Nobel Prize winning scientists, and you get someone on to be like, "I've always wondered about this. Like, could you design an experiment where?" And they just have to very patiently explain, like, you know, we did this in the 60s. That was always what happened to me, at least, whenever I had an idea. And it was, like, in, in atmospheric stuff. It'd like, I wonder if... And then you'd do, like, a very basic Google, and you'd be like, yeah, Soviets did this, like, 50 <laughs> years ago. And it's always Soviet scientists. Go go one step further and just and, and sort of, like, 
broaden the premise of this new podcast where it's just simply asking really basic, thick questions to incredibly smart people. We'd be, that would be amazing. Isn't there that Wired series on YouTube yes. where it gets... And it's like the four levels of whatever it is, like, you know, Jacob Collier explains oh, jazz. Jazz, yeah, yeah. But the four levels were like kids, teenager, college student, Herbie Hancock. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's just like, you know, hockey stick curve. And, of, and, of and fascinatingly, they like the conversations go on and he gets to the conversation with Herbie and they're just looking at each other, basically going like, jazz is great, isn't it? Yeah, it's really good. Like, <laughs> you reach such a level of concentrated sort of knowledge and ability. But the thing is, if you, if you were to go on a show and explain shit posting, and it was like, explain shit posting to like, you know, baby, teenager, like an adult, and then professional shit poster, the, the final level is always going to be, yeah, just like, you know, the dog said, I'll open this one. I don't know what's inside <laughs> or something. Like, that's the that's the only thing that you'd say. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it just gets, it gets so abstract. The, the more, the, 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 the higher two people's ability are in a subject, the more abstract their conversation will always get. But in mm. the case of posting, it's like another level. Yeah. I feel like if you were explaining posting, the levels would be different though. I think that you would have to, like the most, the most basic, like pedantic you would have to be would be to like an, a very elderly person. At least, mm. yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about when my grandparents ask what depths of Wikipedia is. I really struggle. <laughs> yeah, and well, I'm like not a Gen even Z, like a teenager. You, you, yeah. you know, that's the, the the highest level. Yeah, I can just stare at a 15 year old. We don't even have to say any words. <laughs> <laughs> they just get it. <laughs> yeah, they're with me. <laughs> They've been through like five ends of days in a dark age. They 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 know what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Top lap. And you know all the drill. Oh, you know all the drill. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it, mate. <laughs> and I was like, you know you, you know, Dan, drill. you take this. I, you know what you're doing with this podcast by now. And he was just like, um, you know <laughs> fairness, the drill. I've, I've got, I've, I've got the right words, just in completely the wrong order. That's an Andre. You all know the drill. That's what I wanted to go for. <laughs> you know all the drill. Yeah. Hey, drill. How you doing? Nice to see you again. Hey. Yeah. Please make him feel welcome. We're recording this separately, we should point out, because um, yeah. we didn't want to... Well, it's not that we didn't want to be weird in front of Annie, it's just that, well, because we, we were already doing that, we just thought it would be polite to do this section separately, rather than have her sit yeah. there and smile and nod like that gif of Kermit the Frog and Christian Bale. Yeah, it was just a conversation was flowing, it was all lovely, and, and we thought we'd just do this in post. Do what in post, Anne? What is this? What is this drill? Speaking of, speaking of d doing this in post... You all know the drill. It's that time again when we go to Patreon Corner to say enormous thank you uh, to, to those who support us on Patreon. In so doing, this podcast is actually able to exist. It gives the podcast a home. Without that home, you wouldn't be able to download the bloody thing. Um, it also pays for our wonderful editor, and there is a, a nice little amount of, of, of usable income accruing for, for Simon and myself to do lots of silly things in person. Plans are afoot. Folks, we've just been talking about. We've got a date in the on the calendar. We've got two dates in the calendar actually for a lot, and lots of projects that we want to film. I, I get the impression those are going to be two quite intense days actually, because <laughs> we've got mm -hmm. about five or six video ideas to film and some Patreon exclusive stuff that we were just talking about. So there's 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 lots of stuff to do, and we're very excited to do it. Busy, busy. I'd love to make a start, Simon, if I may, with the primo, the 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 chef kiss, um, pet of choice for this podcast, which is of course our top dogs. Um, so without further ado, can I say an enormous thank Top you? Top dogs on patreon.com forward slash the wikicast. Are you serious? The very same. The very same. A huge thank you to Jay Wright, Ben McMurtry, Peter Reed, Codzo, Colin J. Brown, Alistair Fortune, Eve Sharples, Lexi at Front Desk, Hasse Hansen, Henry VII, King of England and of France, Lord of Ireland, Aaron Jorgensen, Naf Laroc, Andrian with an N, Chan, Ben Caples, Josh Shiaga, Martin Narciso, Christian from the Alps, Aww. Amy Bonney, Lexi at Front Desk's boss, and Carl Waldrot. Whereas I would like to thank the true 
premium pet supporters. Those on top cat at patreon.com forward slash the wikicast who support $5 a month and make all of this silliness possible. Those people would of course be Abu El Ella, the physics boy, Andy Hartley, Ben Dent, Colm Mansfield, Oliver Craigie, Dan Hanvey, EZ, Dame Valerie III, Nafi Iftikar, Izzy CC, Isabel Ostrowski, Jean-Claude Marais, Jack, I'm sure I nailed that. Jack Easton, Princess Andromeda, Lewis Watson, Matt McGuire, Layla Medina, Nathan Flaherty, Oliver Burkhart, Omar Miranda, Simon P, Reds Kirk, Choco Cat, and Will Jenis Humphreys. Thank you so much to everybody who supports us on Patreon, whether you are correct or not. And now back to past Simon and Dan speaking with Annie about, well, you'll, you'll just find out now. <laughs> So we've had a couple of emails in since the last time we wrote an episode. We wrote an episode? That's not the right verb. Um, <laughs> all of this was we... scripted, guys. Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, all of this. I was about to try and riff on Stan. Like, you know, since we last wrote you, we've not heard anything. <laughs> but um, I, I have too small of a brain. I cannot improv that on the spot. Uh, but last time we did um, talk about a Netflix show called um, Drive to Survive. And oh, yeah. we're recording this a little sooner than we would normally record a second episode. So we haven't had a chance to watch an episode, but I am definitely keen to to watch one. Mm-hmm. We've had an email in from Tim, um, who has um, sent in an email titled Formula E instead. Um, do, do, do you follow Formula One at all, by the way, Annie? Um, No, my friends do. Or any sport, I suppose. Let's, let's, make, it, let's make it a bit broader. Do you follow any sport? <laughs> um, oh, man. I used to follow distance running pretty closely but in the past in the past few months i have not been super up on it i didn't even watch the boston marathon um but my boyfriend is very into baseball so sometimes i'll watch that with him my um, my fiance she was in london uh, a couple of weeks ago and she actually just randomly bumped into mo farah at the end of one of his runs Oh Which wow! Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> but like, she sent me, she sent me this message, and I was like, "Wait, what? Did you get a picture?" And she was like, "Yeah." And it turned out what she'd bumped into was like the finishing line of like the Vitality 10K in London or something. It was like this huge event. Whereas Whoa. her message very much implied to me that it was like, "Yeah, I just bumped into him on the street." The way you, <laughs> you know? the way you wow. phrased that, she she bumped into him at the end of his run sounded like he came first, and and your <laughs> Pixel Girl was just coming in a close second. All right, yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> like in the race. <laughs> If that had happened, I think Mo Farah would have to... He'd be running with a handicap, Dan. Let's put it like that. <laughs> Pixel Girl. She's, she's a very dedicated runner and she's doing a half marathon soon, but um, I don't think she'd be offended with me if I said she's not quite at Mo Farah's pace. Because um, <laughs> I'm not. I mean, Jesus. The guy runs a 10K in like half an hour. He has four Olympic gold medals. <laughs> yeah, he's one of the greatest Olympians of all time. I don't think my partner can <laughs> run as fast. But anyway, sorry. So we, 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 were, we were talking about Formula One uh, based on a message last episode. And Tim is saying, what about Formula E? So Formula E season starts in a couple of days with the first race of the season in Berlin. Um, it's basically Formula One, but instead of having internal combustion engine cars, they are electric racing cars. Mm. So the positives are um, you basically you fund electric car, D, R, not D&D, that's on the brain. Uh, <laughs> It funds electric car R&D. Uh, maybe it could fund... Ele- I don't know what electric car D&D would even look like. You'd, your different classes are like, you know, Tesla or Rivian or, you know, <laughs> semi-truck, yeah. whatever. Um, do, you, do you play D&D, Annie? I am... Again, you're really getting me. I don't watch Formula One. I have not played D&D. <laughs> um, what do you do? <laughs> I know, you should just kick me off the podcast. <laughs> you should edit out all of my all of my lines now that I've exposed myself (laughs) it's fine i mean to be fair like you just heard dan say that in his spare time he disassociates and in my spare time i just switch off (laughs) it's you're you're fine (laughs) yeah i don't have any time to do dnd i've just been dissociating so much my dissociating (laughs) schedule just doesn't permit it yeah it's like the grinch it's like i cut you know i've got dissociating at 3 p.m i can't move that again Uh, but anyway, um, so Formula E, you can go and see a race in person without spending mega dollars. Uh, and as a bonus, you don't have to breathe exhaust gases. Um, and basically, it's it's like a slightly more obscure, more eco-friendly version of Formula One. So I have heard of this mm. and my parents actually watch it. And I know there's an interesting strategy with this because within the cars, there's like a... Um, it's almost like a video game. There's like a boost feature that you can tap into um, an extra reserve of energy in, in your car, but it only happens like once per race or something. 
And so you have to be very strategic with when you press that button. Um, and then I think there used to be a thing where like the audience could vote on how much extra charge different cars got. Um, like live. Oh, wow. Which is just really interesting idea for a sport. Yeah. But anyway, Tim is saying, as well as Formula 1, we should consider Formula E, and I'm all for it. Anything that's going to sort of drive forward uh, electric vehicle uptake. Big, big, big fan. Drive forward. Very good. Well done. Uh-huh. Great stuff. Def- Look at that planned. again. He's a professional. Did- <laughs> I didn't just, just land in, in Bangor, Maine. <laughs> it was definitely planned. We have another email here from Dominic. And... Dominic's, oh, here's another question for you, Annie. Um, Dominic's talking about Warhammer. <laughs> uh, I don't suppose that you paint any uh, miniatures. Oh, actually, I do. I'm really big on it. No, of course I don't. <laughs> <laughs> God, you gave me a, a second of hope then. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dominic says, dear Messrs. Clark and more. I'm sorry, Dan, this is probably going to be very uh, boring correspondence uh, for you. Simon, I need your help. <laughs> I'm here. I used to collect Warhammer 40k when I was a kid and now want to get back into the hobby but have no idea where to start. Any advice on what factions to begin with um, would be great. Kind attempted by Sisters of Battle, um, but here they're pretty difficult to paint and play. Thanks for all the laughs and chuckles you give me. 1,164 minutes last year and keep it up. Right. This is where we cut to the 15 minutes time and you, it's the Mr. Incredibles meme. Just like, we get there when we get there. Um, One eternity later. So, where do, uh, okay, basic factions that would be, that, are, that are good to paint and play for Warhammer 40,000. So just for, for Annie's benefit and for anybody who's listening at home, I'm this gonna, is a tabletop I'm going to start game. disassociating now so you can go. <laughs> I'll be very brief. <laughs> Um, it's a tabletop miniatures game where you play as an army that you collect the models, you assemble and paint them yourselves, and there are rules that involve rolling dice and you can fight the armies against each other. That's basically what the game is. Within the game, there are tons of different factions that are have different numbers of models and different types of models, some of which are easier to paint and easier to play with than others. If you were looking for something that is easy to begin with, I would recommend either Grey Knights or Custodes, because you don't need very many models. You need, like, 20 or 30 models for like a a full army for them um and i think they're pretty simple to play with if you wanted something that was a bit more um like a larger model count i mean normal space marines are uh, are also quite easy to do orcs are really fun and they are pretty easy to paint if you use the contrast paint line which i highly highly recommend if you want to paint stuff quickly the contrast method works really really well um but otherwise the, the, the honest answer is paint the tiny toys that you think look cool um that's ultimately what they are they're tiny toy soldiers <laughs> and yeah. so just pick the ones that you like and worry about how the rules are later down the line but um those are some recommendations for you if you were thinking of sort of the practicalities for low model count gray knights and custodies there you go that wasn't so bad was it dan amazing that's great as i just as I, as I sort of wipe the drool from my chin and start trying to remember how to function again <laughs> good grief so annie what have we learned today we learned about many things, including Erwin Cruz, the German tourist who became a celebrity in the United States in 1977. Um, he came back to Bangor and it was he was able to open the new Bangor Mall. But his third time back to Bangor, he found that he was no longer a celebrity. Oh, wow. Way to leave the a bum note for the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't want to make you too sad. <laughs> so he just he just left it it's gonna leave the sour taste in the mouth of everyone who's listened to the podcast yeah we started talking about something else i don't know <laughs> well we we did talk about an awful lot of other stuff uh besides uh erwin um we well we talked a lot about of course your big project um debts of wikipedia and how it's legitimized posting uh <laughs> in a way that is truly inspirational well i'm certainly not solely responsible for that there's also some absolute um amazing posters out there that <laughs> that are just doing the lord's work i'm a professional i've got standards <laughs> like... <laughs> yes uh dan what else did we talk about oh, i mean i think as far as sort of tangential wikipedia links go this this podcast absolutely sort of takes the biscuit we did however discuss my core piece of the week mozart requiem and i got to learn <laughs> in a week which is slightly terrifying, but I'm sure that'll be fine. <laughs> I'm looking back through our DMs between us, just to sort of recap, and it's just the immortality of the crab, the list of nicknames used by Donald Trump, and a rewritten lyrics to We Didn't Start the Fire about Wikipedia, which I feel like it kind of really accurately summarises the past hour. This podcast is just a series of tubes. That's what we've got to remember. 
And the thing is, they're all blocked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah every, single, every single one. That's all for this week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your podcasting service of choice. You can like us on Facebook, and if you'd like to see our faces, check out our YouTube channel, Spongy and Electric. Your favourite Wikipedia article, thoughts about the immortality of the crab, and other thoughts on the show can be sent to us at spongyelectric at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, Annie. Where can people find you? Thank you. It was great to be here. If you want more... Um wikipedia oddities you can follow me on tiktok twitter or instagram search depths of wikipedia you'll probably find me also if you click at the link in my bio i have a discord which i recently started it's been fun and a newsletter and i'm i'm all over the place <laughs> online and you know just just generally <laughs> yeah maybe you'll, you'll maybe you'll run into me at the grocery store or something <laughs> join us again for another tumble down the wiki rabbit hole and, and we'll, we'll see, see you, you next time, time.